Recently, I was told a story about an eight-year-old girl with severe mental and emotional challenges <clears throat> went shopping for shoes with her sister. And among other issues, this young girl doesn't have very good eye-hand coordination, so unfortunately, she bumped into a shoe rack in the middle of the store, and the entire rack came crashing down. Well, it was toward the end of a long, hard workday for the nearby salesman who simply flipped out and lost all semblance of patience, grabbed onto the little girl by the arm and started yelling at her to pick up all those shoes and that she had just knocked over. But, of course, in his haste, he never noticed for a moment how totally flustered and uh, confused she was by all of this tumult. So the little girl starts shaking her head back and forth and literally yelling, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. Don't touch me. Leave me alone. She's screaming and... Fortunately, her older sister, having had lots of personal experiences with her younger sister, knew exactly what to do. She simply knelt down and started speaking very quietly and reassuringly to her, gave her a hug, and began to pick up the shoes herself. As she continued to smile and speak quietly, the young girl slowly tuned out everything else except her sister and began helping her sister picking up the shoes as well. When all the shoes were picked up and they rose to leave, the older sister looked at the flustered clerk and said, Mister, you've just got to love her into doing what's right. You just have to love her into doing what's right. Sounds easy to say, but not so easy to do in moments of intense emotion for any of us, with anyone. I can't even count the number of times I've had people sit in my office sharing profound upsets that they have felt toward other family members, whether it's anger or betrayal or simply overwhelming frustration at a child who won't listen to them or at a partner or a spouse who, who's grown distant or aloof or often at a parent at whose hands they have felt denigrated or discounted or somehow emotionally abused or made to feel worthless or incompetent. It breaks my heart, literally, to, to think of how many men and women I know, indeed some of you sitting right here tonight, who no matter how successful they have become or no matter how many accomplishments you have added to your own curriculum vitae, have spent often entire lives feeling that you never quite measured up, feeling powerless or put down or discounted often every day of your lives by what you appear to have as self-absorbed or angry parents who leave scars on the psyche that sometimes take a lifetime to heal and often never do. I've seen it played out over and over again, frankly, in the dysfunctional family dramas of bar and bat mitzvah services often. Someone will say, Rabbi, I need your help. When my son has his bar mitzvah, I don't want my father to step foot in this synagogue. Or, Rabbi, you've got to help me. My mother abused me verbally my entire life. And ever since I had my own child, I've spent my life protecting my daughter from the vicious and hurtful lies that come out of my mother's mouth. After the first time I ever left my child with her and she came home in tears, I swore I'd never let her be alone with my, her grandmother again, ever. So if she tries to come to the bat mitzvah, I want her physically escorted out of the sanctuary. Really, you wouldn't believe how many times I hear this story. 
mothers and daughters and fathers and sons and every combination of family drama you could possibly imagine, all of it played out week after week on the sacred stage of synagogue life. Because it isn't easy to love someone when they have heaped a lifetime of abusive behavior on you no matter who they are. Now I know this is going to be a bit unorthodox. No, don't say it. But since Yom Kippur is so deeply connected to the spiritual practice of tshuva, of repentance, and of forgiveness, I decided to share with you today a very personal story. Well, actually, it's not my very personal story. It's my wife, Didi's. And I asked her if I could share it with you because it concerns the death of her mother this past year and because what took place during the many months leading up to the end of her life taught me such a profound lesson about tshuva, about forgiveness, and the power of love to change curses into blessings and transform a lifelong relationship that as personal as it is, I asked for the privilege of sharing this life-transforming story with you. And Didi said yes, and so here it is. Now, I know I could have hidden the identities of the people involved or pretended they were about a family that I concocted out of whole cloth. But frankly, what made the story so powerful for me was that it was real, that it actually happened in my own life, in my own family, that I was witness to what can only be described as a relationship miracle that took place right before my own eyes entirely due to the persistence and commitment and perseverance and determination of my own wife. And I guess I was both proud to be a witness of this Herculean emotional effort and actually in awe of the power of love, to love someone into doing what's right, that I wanted to acknowledge it publicly and share it with you for her sake as well. And the other reason to tell this story, even though it is so personal, is because I know there are so many others sitting here right now thinking the same thing that Didi did for all those years, sitting with a lifetime of anger and resentment, telling yourself it's up to her to call, or it's up to him to visit, or it's up to her to write, or it's up to him to apologize. After all, I'm the injured person. He has to say something first, or she has to come to me, and on and on and, and on and on. We run that same tape in our heads over and over again. I have heard it so many times in my own office. But believe me when I tell you, one day without warning, you will have nothing more to wait for, and it will no longer be an option to do anything anymore. You'll simply run out of time. You'll run out of the opportunity to make it right to break through the anger and resentment and lifetime of withholding the love you haven't allowed yourself to feel or love you haven't allowed yourself to give. Because if you do nothing, they both will die, stillborn in your heart. Now, Didi's mother, Florence, was truly dealt a rotten hand by life. And the beginning of her life was anything but easy. First, her mother died giving birth to her. And then her father struggled as a single man to take care of her as best he could. But when she was still a very small child, he fell off a roof and he died as well. 
So Florence was put into an orphanage and then taken in by a family with a sick mother who they somehow expected Florence to help take care of at the tender age of five. Well, since that obviously wasn't going to work, she was soon put in care of a neighbor, and her situation just went from bad to worse. First of all, the neighbor had absolutely no patience to raise a child and physically was abusing her. And plus, she was never formally adopted by the family that had taken her in, and so in her mind, she always felt like kind of the black sheep who never really belonged anywhere. So as you might expect, she grew up angry and withdrawn and insecure. Void of any loving mother role model herself, she never learned how to be a loving mother either. What she did learn from an early age instead was that emotional safety only came from retreating within herself and keeping anyone and everyone at arm's length. She learned that if you never allow yourself to be vulnerable and instead you find ways to use your intelligence, your knowledge, and your wit and your sharp tongue as a weapon to keep others from getting close, perhaps they'll never be able to hurt you again. Now, having been deprived of a real family her entire life, when, as a young woman, she met Didi's father, who was one of eight very close brothers and sisters who were intimately connected and involved daily with her own loving mother and father, she thought she'd discovered family paradise. So she eagerly jumped into a marriage that to her, familiarly deprived as she was, looked like kind of the lost garden of Eden of family bliss. But you know what they always say. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is. And so it was, unfortunately, for poor Florence as well. Yes, they had an incredibly close, almost pathologically intertwined family, but once she married Didi's father, she quickly realized that it was their family, and once again, not hers. She felt constantly, once again, the outsider, the odd person out, the one who simply didn't belong in the family picture. Whenever the parents called, all the kids came running, including her own husband, who was such a wonderful and doting and loving son that to Florence, it felt forever like she was just second best. They also ran, still standing on the outside of the party, looking in the window longingly, not quite understanding why she never came first on anyone's list. And it broke her heart, and it made her bitter all over again. So you might say she came by her abusive behavior honestly. The constant biting sarcasm, the endless put-downs directed toward her own two children to whom she would never allow herself to be soft or vulnerable enough to show love and affection. She'd already tried that route twice and all she'd gotten was rejection and pain and loss over and over again. So she vowed never to be vulnerable again. And as a result, throughout her entire life, Didi never heard the words, I love you, from her mother, ever. Instead, Florence hid her feelings behind cutting remarks and constant denigrating verbal put-downs and abusive insults that continued relentlessly for 60 years. Florence Davis Cohen, Didi's mom, died last December 11th after a long, slow decline of congestive heart failure and multiple complications that she absolutely refused to have anyone treat her for. And I'm sharing her story with you tonight because the end of her life 
was nothing like the beginning of her life. For by the time the end came, Florence had finally discovered the meaning and the power of love. What happened? Well, on Didi's 60th birthday, she turned to me and said, I've made a birthday resolution about my mom. Since I'd been a first-hand witness for nearly 30 years already of the constant verbal put-downs and abuse with which her mother attacked Didi relentlessly, whether in person or virtually every single phone conversation they ever had, I said, really, have you decided you're through talking to her altogether? I know it doesn't sound very rabbinic, but... <laughs> or maybe you made a resolution to take care of yourself by not allowing her to abuse you every time you pick up the phone, I asked protectively. No, that's not it at all, she replied. I've decided to love her into doing what's right. I've decided not to let my mom determine the kind of relationship we have. When my mom comes to the end of her life, I want to know that I have been the daughter I wanted to be, regardless of the mother she chooses to be. So Didi simply chose love. My mom has never really experienced unconditional love in her entire life, she said. She doesn't know what it looks like. She doesn't know what it feels like. I've been afraid of her, really, literally terrorized by her my entire life. But I'm 60 years old already, and I can choose a different path. I am going to show my mother what love is, how to love. And before she comes to the end of her life, she's going to know what love feels like. And then perhaps... Perhaps, one of these days, she'll be able to tell me that she loves me in return. But whether she does or she doesn't, I am going to show her what unconditional love really feels like. And she did. Every week she would visit her mom in Woodland Hills. And every day when she would call and speak to her mom, no matter how dismissive she might be, no matter how many times her mom would tell her that she was fat, or comment on how ugly her hair looked, or even that she was ugly, you are such an ugly baby, Diane, she would constantly say. Dee Dee would reply, I love you, Mom. Thanks for all you did for me and taught me as a child. And when it was time for Dee Dee to leave one of her weekly visits, she would walk over to her mom, she would kiss her on the cheek, and then she would turn and literally put her own cheek on her mother's mouth in order to simulate a kiss coming back from mother to daughter, even though the kiss didn't come. But this was Dee Dee's campaign to single-handedly create a loving relationship with her mother. Every single time they spoke, every single time she'd visit, no matter what her mother would say, no matter how degrading or painful, Dee Dee responded with love and patience and more love over and over and over again. She chose love. She chose love. She chose love. It drove me crazy. It's Yom Kippur, I have to be totally honest. I wasn't really very supportive of the whole thing that she was choosing. It was very difficult to be on the sideline and watch, doing nothing while my wife continued to take the verbal abuse from her mother that she'd endured her entire life. I, I may be the rabbi, I'm supposed to be the spiritual one of the family, but frankly, I was the one constantly saying, just hang up, honey. Just hang up when she starts with that abusive talk. You don't have to sit and listen. But Didi had a plan, and she chose love anyway, time and again. 
And in the end, it changed not only the life of her mother, but her life as well. Remember the plan? Every time she would leave her mom, she would kiss her on the cheek, and then she would turn and literally, literally place her own cheek on her mother's lips and get nothing in return. No movement at all. But without judgment or comment, she'd turn and smile at Florence and say, I love you, Mom. See you next Thursday. Now, once it seemed as if it was working, they were driving home from on the weekly visit that they used to do every week. They would go to lunch at Brent's in Northridge. So on the way back, her mother turned to her out of the blue and said, Dee Dee, you're so good to me. You're such a wonderful daughter to me. Dee was like totally taken aback. She said, Mom, <laughs> really? Yes, you're such a wonderful daughter to me. And it makes me so sad. It makes you sad that I'm a wonderful daughter to you? Yes, because it just reminds me of what a rotten daughter you were all your growing up years. <laughs> Now, when I've told this to people, they have found the whole thing really hard to believe. But trust me, sadly, the story is absolutely true. Visit after visit, week after week, month after month, the same ritual. Didi's going to leave. She kisses her mother, turns her cheek, gets nothing in return, says, Mom, I love you. I'll see you next Thursday. So imagine. Imagine that moment. That single moment simple, life-transforming moment when Didi kissed her mom on the cheek, turned and placed her cheek on her mom's lips as she had done so many times before and suddenly felt she was so overwhelmed by this quiet and simple act that her eyes literally filled with tears. And she turned and practically holding her breath, she said to Florence, as she always did, I love you, mom. And sure enough, her mother looked at her and for the very first time she could ever remember in her entire life, quietly said, I love you too, Diane. And with that, everything changed. Now, Florence had always been resentful and jealous that Didi had a closer relationship with her dad than with her. You know, fathers and daughters. Plus, they'd been divorced for nearly 40 years, and Florence never got remarried, but rather, she carried the resentment of that divorce and rejection like a, kind of like an open wound that she pointed out to everyone that she'd met for the rest of her life. It was as if she was committed to a life of suffering and rejection. My husband threw me in the gutter, almost always followed immediately after, hi, my name is Florence, in any introduction. So imagine what a shock it was when one of the very last things my mother-in-law ever said to Didi was, I forgive you. You forgive me? Didi said, what do you forgive me for, Mom? For loving your father more than me, she said. Didi had given her mother a priceless gift. Because what price could you ever put on love? As cliched as it sounds, the human heart 
longs for love to the very last breath, to the very last beat, to the very last moment. And when Didi told her mother, when you die, I will miss you every single day, it was almost more than she could bear to hear. For it was literally more love than she had experienced in all the 88 years of her life. How tragic, how heartbreaking. But what an amazing, powerful lesson it was for me. There's a famous Hasidic story about the disciple who goes to the master and says, please teach me the secret to the meaning of life. And the master says, the way to learn the meaning of life is to simply sit at my feet and watch me live. Well, that's how Didi, my very own master, taught me this year. She taught me there's only one day to give love, and that's today. And there's only one moment to give love, and that's this moment right now. Common wisdom says that it takes two to have a relationship. But Didi taught me that it just isn't so. Sometimes it only takes one. Yes, of course, she also said, I wish that she'd learned to love sooner. I wish she'd learned to feel love sooner. I wish she'd learned to show love more. But all you can ever do is the best you can do. And for Florence, the best she could do was to discover her own capacity to love, her own capacity to express her love right before she died. My license plate says, make miracles, but I should really give it to my wife because that was a miracle of epic proportions. Didi said, most of my life I was so busy being angry with her for all the bitter, hostile, jealous, abusive things she did and said that it never even occurred to me that I might have the power to make a difference in both of our lives. One day I realized I just might be able to help her to redeem her own life. I wish I'd figured it out sooner. Didi schlepped her mom first around with walkers and then wheelchairs for years, but it really took facing the end of her life and the stark reality that it was now or never before Florence finally allowed herself to utter those simple, most powerful words in the world, I love you too. The power of unconditional love, it's hard to deny. For the end of Florence's life was light years better than the beginning. Those last weeks, she was surrounded by the love of her family, her daughter and her son, her grandchildren, her son's ex-wife, her son's current girlfriend, and me. It was actually stunning to see the miracle of Florence that last week of her life, hugging her son and telling him for the first time ever, Eddie, I love you and ending every single phone conversation with Didi, and every time they parted with, I love you too, Diane. It was the most powerful lesson I've ever had in what tshuva really means. How love can bring redemption and transform a life. As I witnessed the end of Florence's life, I was reminded that it's never too late to do the right thing. And so I'm telling you as well, it's never too late to do the right thing. We preach about the power of love, we preachers. But too often we mouth the words, but don't really live them. Didi lived love. And that made all the difference. How many of you sitting here tonight 
are estranged from your own families, your own loved ones. I can't count the number of people who sit in my office and tell me that they haven't talked to this person or that one in their family for years, and some can't even remember why. Remember the story of the rabbi who just finished the funeral and was walking away from the gravesite when he noticed the deceased man's son was standing alone over his father's grave and, and talking. And as he came closer, he realized what the son was saying was, I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. Over and over as he gazed down at the freshly turned earth. It's time to go home, the rabbi gently reminded the son, who looked up at the rabbi with tears in his eyes and said, but I loved my father, rabbi. I'm sure you did, the rabbi responded. But you don't understand, the man said. I loved my father, and once I almost told him. How many of you are longing for those same words or that very same kiss? haunted Didi for so many years. She made a life-changing decision and simply chose love. Period. She opened her soul. She opened herself. She changed a life. She repaired a relationship. And you can too. What could be a greater gift than that for this Yom Kippur? Amen.